Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis. It is week number two in the NLL season already. Week number one in the books. The Toronto Rock fall 13-9 in Buffalo. Uh, last Friday night, a very good game. We're going to run through this and uh, break down quite a few different things as there were um, you know, many twists and turns in this game and uh, some interesting things that we'll get to. And uh, there were some positives. We'll find those positives, right, <laughs> yeah, Katie? For sure. uh, you know, it's one of those games where I know we've talked, obviously, a lot off-air about this, uh, but it is one of those games where it just – you don't feel great about yourself, but you know you don't really have any reason to feel that way at the same time because you know you're going to be better, right? Well, I, I think that's a big situation here is that I think this team, this group, knows they can be better. Oh, I agree. I, I Don't get me wrong. I think anyone wants to start the season off uh, start with a win, and we talked about you know last week no better place to get that in Buffalo, but unfortunately that didn't happen but there, yeah there was some things to take from it I mean I thought Nick Rose played played really well in that there he uh you know from our awards we have him locked penciled in for in the, in the running for the goaltender of the year and I think he started off um well on his way to you know getting to where he needs to be for that um just some thoughts about the game thought the the offense, you know, wasn't necessarily in sync. I guess you could say, and I mean, I, I don't know what the reasoning is for that. I know they didn't get get together too much during the regular season, just with you know a lot of bodies around and exhibition games, and not everyone gets into the lineup. But I think that's going to come. I, I mean, I trust the the process and the and the guys in that that lineup to uh, you know to be better, like you said, and get get the job done. Uh, and even you know saying that they were still they go down three nothing it was still three two it was five five at one point there's they were in the game still and you know I think they would agree they you know they weren't firing on all cylinders so that was a positive as well but uh, you know tough loss and uh, you know looking forward to getting back at it and you know a chance to to rebound this Saturday against Saskatchewan and I just felt like the the first quarter of that game despite the fact the score was three two. At the end of one, um, you know, and the Rock did get down three nothing. But when the when the team was down two nothing, it was starting to feel like the game was running away on them. That's the way I felt watching it. Offensively, not a lot was going on, and like Matt Sawyer said throughout the game, I think when the offense did start to get some better looks, you know, Alex Bouquet was there to close the door. So now you got kind of a you know catch twenty two going here is that you're struggling, and then when you get going, you're running into a hot goaltender. So a difficult situation for the Rock, I'm sure, but, you know, down 3-2, they scored two more, so they scored four in a row overall to take a 4-3 lead uh, early in the second quarter, and then, you know, it ends up being 5-5 at the half, and I think you're hoping, okay, clean slate here, here comes the second half, and it didn't really uh, necessarily go that way, but close. I thought a turning point in the game was the end of the third quarter, roughed up a little bit nick rose kind of got banged into it's pretty quiet you know from the rock side steve priolo goes to the box banging on the glass kind of got the fans into it and then right off the hop at the start of the fourth quarter you know uh the rock were going on the power play and nick weiss right off the face off runs around and you know there's four rock guys back and Whatever that path was that Nick Weiss decided to take to the net worked for him, and he got there and scored kind of wrong side, short side kind of, I think, um, for him. And I thought that was a bit of a backbreaker. But, 
you know, later on in that fourth quarter, the score is uh, 10-7, I think. And The Rock apparently scored a goal. It's called a goal by Josh Hiltz. After review, it's called no goal. And this is going to lead me to something I want to talk about, maybe a little bit later on or, or sooner than later. But um, it, it looked as though it may have touched the mesh behind Alex Bouquet's leg. And I think maybe that's what... Hilt's called a goal, and then, you know, on the replays, it kind of looks like it doesn't go in. It, it was an odd situation. It was an odd goal because there was also no straight overhead view in Buffalo. So, um, you know, the a little bit of a backbreaker there because then I think the Rock scored the next goal. So you figure if that goal stands, then the Rock scored on the power play. It could have been a 10-9 game rather than 10-8. And as, you know, tough as it was for the Rock to score at times, I think, you know, a one-goal game in the fourth quarter, you're – now you're starting to feel like, okay, you know what, as as not great as we've been all night, we still have a chance to win this game. But, you know, that call goes against them, and then they're still down by two goals even when they bang that power play goal to make it 10-8. And then, you know, they get uh, another goal late, late, kind of in garbage time, and it ends up 13-9. You know, Buffalo scores a couple of empty netters. Nick Rose, like you mentioned, was tremendous. Only allowed 11 goals, and uh, like I just said, two of those goals were – uh, empty netters, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about the offense and, and just where the shots came from overall. Uh, Rob Hellier, nine shots. Brad Hickey, 10 shots. Adam Jones, 14 shots. So 33 of the Rock's 64 shots come from, I think, the you know, three guys who you really do want taking a lot of shots. Um, four goals combined between the three guys, though. And I think somewhere in there in that mix... They've got to be better, obviously, and, you know, Tom Schreiber ends up going 0-3, but the bright light at the end of the tunnel, Dan Lintner scores three goals on five shots. For so, sure. like we said, there were some positives. For sure, and, I mean, obviously Dan's a great player, and, you know, not uh, by no slight to him. There's been a lot of talk about the right side leading up to the season with, you know, Schreiber, Schreiber and, and Hickey and Hellier and, and you know, be at hold here. Dan comes out and he's the big gunner on the on the the weekend there. But uh, you know, two, look at it two ways. I think you you think those guys are the the guys like you said you want shooting the ball and and they are going to drop. Like Schreiber's not going to go bagels all year yeah. here and put up a, <laughs> put up a, a zero. Um, but at the same time, you know they got to be a little better. And I guess picking some spots as well. And uh, you know you said you know I'll cut it to Book and uh, I guess it was his was this his first legit. Game as a legit starter was that is that right or yeah I mean he's like, obviously had some starts in Colorado before yeah, but, but this is definitely his right. first where he's, where he's, he's the, the guy, guy. yeah, yeah exactly so I mean he he came in and fired up obviously and, and and proved that or tried to prove that he you know he is everything they they got in the trade and but I think that will I think they will drop you know Jonesy did find a couple uh, I think he had two and three when it was said and done five points on yep. the night. Um, but uh, they're going to drop. I, I'm not like I said. I'm not worried about the offense at all. And uh, Robbie's first game back in in how long since he's played an NLL game? And I I know you know he's played some exhibition games, but it's it is still different. The the level does uh, you know get raised for a regular season game, and uh, I think they're going to be all right. But uh, you know, unfortunately, they just didn't have it that night. A little bit of a different look in the face-off circle for the Rock as well. Brad Cree only took six face-offs, but won four out of six of them. And Jordan Magnuson was eight for 20. So a little bit of a different look there, I think, with Cree not taking quite as many draws. Um, the one thing I do want to talk about about the Nets, we'll talk about this. I know this is a slight uh, 
you know, sidebar, I guess. But, you know, the the mesh hanging down, it seems like this is like an ongoing problem with potentially the design of a lacrosse net. And this is off topic and, and honestly something that, you know, I've thought about for years because there are a lot of box cross nets that are designed with a bar down the middle, um, you know, and those kind of seem to have been phased out pretty well, but that not only made the mesh tighter, but it also kind of gave you another post. And a lot of times, you know, especially in the junior ranks, um, you know, balls could hit that middle post, come right back out. You hear it, it sounds like it hit the, you know, the regular post, I guess you could say, no goal. Um, and then you've got other places where the mesh is so loose, it's hanging down, you know, a bounce shot or something that just kind of slowly bounces across the line. You know, it's not going to go right in the net and the path of the ball can easily be, be changed by that hanging mesh. So I'm trying to think, is there, is there some kind of non-intrusive way that the nets could be redesigned? And, you know, when you look at a, a hockey net, you know, the top of the net, you know, you've got a, you've got another bar essentially that goes back and around so that, you know, the puck would have, has a clear path to enter the goal, right? There's absolutely nothing obstructing it. There's nothing hanging down. It is straight into the net. And when it's in the net, you know, it's in the net really. Right. Um, of course, sometimes you need the help of instant replay when, you know, sometimes it goes right under the bar kind of thing. But I'm thinking, do you think you could add something on, maybe even like six inches back or something to almost make the top of a lacrosse net so that the mesh could still be loose, but wouldn't be hanging essentially right up against on the, the goal, goal line? line. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree. And, uh, I believe last year, too, in, against Georgia, there was like another iffy call with um, at the Air Canada Center where it like yep. crossed the line, touched the mesh, but kind of stopped. And yeah. was it was it fully over? Was it not fully over? It was just uh, it was a bit of a circus in trying to determine what what really happened there. And similar in Buffalo, the angle like I was watching from home, and the angle like you said, I saw it. I thought it did hit the mesh, but because that mesh was hanging, you know, it didn't. And the ball was going so slow at the time, really, it didn't really push. Yeah. It didn't have the opportunity to push the mesh back where if the mesh isn't there, that ball is still going in a forward motion. Yeah. So, you know, if you looking at it like rel- or like comparing it to a hockey net, if you just had a little, like you said, six inches to move that ne- the mesh back off the goal line and you still have it hanging loose, I think that is something that you could do. But, uh, you know, if you're going back from a hockey, you they have the middle bar, right, connecting the top. Yeah. So I don't know. Would you would you have to have that, or would you just go straight back, like the six inches, and then back down to the, like the bottom V? I guess you could say where you know what I mean, where the net yeah. comes to the back. It's it's an interesting concept. But you mentioned too, if the cameras, if the above head cameras are there at these facilities, for speaking Buffalo, for instance, um, for the for the Sabers games, why is there not access to those for another professional league or? Yeah, I mean, every rink, I can say, you know, every rink does have different access to cameras, and it is definitely a question that we've seen from fans on, you know, on social media after the game was, you know, they were interested as to why that wasn't there. I'm not sure, you know, it's something we don't have the answer for, but, you know, the the whole net design, I feel like, is a, is a sport-wide issue. I don't think it's necessarily, you know, it's not, you know, just uh, an NLL thing, whatever. I mean, these are the same 
essentially net designs that are used in box across across everything, right? And I mean, you would think that it's almost the same, that you'd have the same issue in field across too, especially with you know a lot of just bounce shots that kind of come straight up and and down, and a lot of times don't really you know could get impeded by by hanging mesh a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. So if anybody out there is uh, any kind of uh, you know inventor of some <laughs> sort and uh, can draw up some plans, maybe we can try to figure out some way to do it. I don't know. Maybe we'll jimmy rig something up here at the track one day too, and uh, and have a look at that. But we got way off topic here about the Bandits game, but uh, just just some food for thought in general about the sport. And uh, like we said, not necessarily an NLL specific thing, but just something. Uh, to kind of think about going forward and uh you know we always talk we we kind of talk about these things sometimes around the office when uh we're trying to uh all make the game a little bit better you know we've thought about you know things like with uh lacrosse goalies would you ever go to an actual catching glove kind of like with hockey you know i mean you see so many times a goalie in lacrosse comes over and throws both hands up with the stick and you know the kitchen sink save we like to call it around here but um what if that goalie just comes across and grabs it in his trapper, you know, and, and makes that glove save, you know, or we just kind of feel like at some point, I think with goaltending, I think there is going to be some kind of an evolution as to, you know, the way that the position is played. I think there's, there's something coming. It may not be in five years or 10 years, but I feel like there is going to be something that is going to change a little bit about the way that that position is played. Um, could be equipment, why anything. I just feel like there's something that's going to change with that. But uh, the nets is always something to think about. And the other thing we always, uh, or I always toss around, and can't take full credit for this one, a little Garrett Billings credit on this one, but to move those creases out from where they are, maybe four feet out further uh, to the middle of the floor, I guess you could say, so four feet further away from the boards, and make the the crease a full circle rather than the cutoff at the back and that would cut a, cut out I think a lot of the dive goals from behind the net which I know are some people are huge fans of but I feel like a lot more of the traditionalists will say don't really love that goal as a real lacrosse goal well I, yeah no I hear you I think if you ask the offensive guys they like Brett Hickey scored one of those last year yeah I think he's fine with it you know how it is yeah and if you get in a pinch uh you know and get cut off down low and get forced kind of behind the net you have that in the back pocket but uh you know obviously the goaltenders don't like that that's not you know yeah. you're not making a save you want to see you know you know be square to the ball and you know see it in but yeah interesting points and you know I'm sure the game like you said is going to change it just how it is everything's changing these days eventually and, and, yep. and you know progressing in a forward motion here forward thinking so it'd be interesting to see what happens all right well we're going to take a short break here on toronto rock total access when we come back we've got uh bruce cod with us and then a little bit later on we'll be joined by jordan magnuson so stay with us lots more toronto rock total access to come Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis, and we now welcome in studio Toronto Rock assistant coach Bruce Codd. Brucey, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Um, so, you know, Saturday night's game, or sorry, Friday night's game in Buffalo, uh, it, it started, 
I guess a little slowly for the team offensively, but let's talk defensively first. Uh, you know, he only gave up a couple of goals early, but we're down 3 nothing. At one point, how did you think the team started out of the gate defensively? I thought we were okay, I guess. I mean, there were certainly some, some things that I, that I liked, um, but obviously at the end of the day, I, the final score wasn't uh, what we wanted to be. I, I thought going in, if we you know held them to under 10, we would probably have a good chance, and we were close to that, but... You know, it was uh, obviously, again, it wasn't enough. Now, it's lacrosse is a funny game sometimes because, you know, you, uh, I think a lot of people are so st- still, even the casual lacrosse fan, is so tuned into hockey and that a goalie needs to, you know, just let in less goals than the other team. And I feel like in lacrosse, a lot of times it's more you really need to score more than the other team, right? And it's not really so much a, de- a defensive thing all the time because I think going into the game, if you would have said, hey, you know what? You know, you, you allow 13, but two are an empty nighter, so you only give up 11 goals, right? And if you're on the 13 or 14 side of it offensively, you probably feel a lot better, generally speaking. But do you find that sometimes maybe, you know, after having so much time to dissect it when the game was so close, um, especially in the fourth quarter, that you kind of look at things defensively with maybe a, a bit of a sharper eye or a little bit more... Uh, you know, scrutiny and the fact that, you know, oh, we could have, if we had that one back, if we had that one back. But if you go out and score 14 or 15, sometimes you're like, oh, well, mistakes happen. Yeah, I'm sure that's <laughs> probably pretty accurate. Obviously, yeah. the fact that, you know, that we didn't get the result that we wanted um, certainly, you know, leaves it a little bit, uh, a little bit bitter taste in your mouth, I guess you'd say, coming into this week. Um, you know, there was certainly, like I said, some good things that we did the other night, but um, like like you mentioned, you know, there's a couple goals that I think that, you know, maybe if we don't give them up, you know, like specifically the one off of the face-off when we were on the uh, on the power play, I, I just think those those are the types of goals that are killer uh, in, in a game of momentum, and obviously, so that's that would be one specifically that I think, you know, kind of maybe really um, hurt us, so yeah, you know, there was some things that were good, but um, yeah, there was there was some that at key times that we, we just didn't get sops, and I don't mean that in Nick's uh, you know yeah. uh, way at all. He was actually uh, probably our our uh, best player by far and away uh, on uh, Friday. Now, what about the uh, the Mitch Jones goal from behind the net? I think it was a power play goal, right? How how do you defend that on the power play? Well, or, how sh- or how should that be defended on the power play? You know? I think a lot of it is is recognizing what hand the player is going behind the net. Um, if it's a left-hander, chances are they're going to dunk to that far side. Um, so, A, letting the goalie know that someone's back there and then also what, what hand he is, is is obviously a plus. Um, I think, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit before the game. Certainly knew that that was something that he liked to do, Jordan Durston likes to do, that we had to be down a little bit lower so that, you know, you could get to that post if need be. I mean, obviously, it's tough for Nick to square up to the shooter and then I'll get to the far side so quickly. So I think we got stretched a little bit, a little too far on the off-ball side. So if there's an adjustment to be made, it'd be being in closer proximity to the to the post. Yeah, it's interesting. It certainly is, you know, when you do think about it in, in a very, I guess, raw sense of it all, when you're down shorthanded, it is and can be a pretty tough play to defend overall. Yeah, certainly. I mean, watching the Calgary-Rochester game, they, they scored a very similar goal uh, in, in that game as well. So it, it does make it tricky now uh, with, you know, guys being behind the net and, you know, certainly setting up set set pieces. I'm sure it's something that we'll see again down the road. So we'll have to, you know, learn to be better at it. Yep. 
Bruce, want to ask you, looking at the roster, um, obviously yourself and the coaching staff made the decision to go with, you know, pretty heavy on the practice roster, for instance, defensively, and then you slide in a guy like Challen, who's, you know, going to be back at some point in the season. There seems to be a lot of a lot of bit pieces that could be coming into the lineup, out of the lineup, down to the bottom half of that defensive side. What was the reasoning behind that? Is it more so just the, you know, the depth that is required to win in this league defensively and, uh, you know, for not really taking, having an offensive guy or more offensive weapons I guess on that roster practice roster in per se well I mean if you look at our roster uh, certainly from a year ago to now most of the guys that that exited were were defensive guys so um, you know we had to kind of guard in in terms of replacing that I guess you know would be one of the biggest things Uh, also you know you look at a guy like Phil Caputo who's probably a an offensive player on most teams in this league and just the way our our lineup sets up he's uh he's playing out the back door um but we know that obviously he can go up and play offense if we needed to um so i think some of it's you know just the fact of what like i said that the guys that 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 exited from a year ago and then also just trying to uh to make sure that we've got some some depth back there not only now but hopefully you know down the road too so i think that's probably the biggest factor and you mentioned phil caputo and uh, just curious uh being an old guy kind of transitioning back to the defense does he ha- are you giving him the green light to go up if he sees an opportunity is he getting told to kind of you know hang back he's a defender or what's that kind of setup like for him right now well i think the biggest thing for him right now is uh, is playing defense first um if you know if you start cheating out the back door and looking for opportunities in in transition and on, and on offense you're probably not doing what what you're really out there to do and, and defend. And I think Phil's done a really good job. It's not an easy transition. Um, I think it's easier um, sometimes, to, you know, if you had the skill set uh, to play out the O-door, you just run around fast, set picks, you know, things will <laughs> kind of happen. Whereas, Is that when, spoken like a true D guy? Well, <laughs> I'll say this much. I didn't have the skills to play okay. out the front door, so uh, we'll put that to bed in a hurry. Um, no, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a really tough transition if you're a guy that played offense your whole life and then all of a sudden you're you're asked to play defense in this league it's 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 different than what it would be in the summer just because of the bigger nets and the you know the pace of play is so fast so I think he's done a good job and uh, obviously he does have the green light though if those opportunities present himself you know certainly the other night he had a you know like a almost a breakaway the other night and he got up the floor so yeah he's encouraged to do that when when those opportunities present themselves. Now looking ahead to uh, to this weekend, there Saskatchewan coming to town. Uh, you know, they, their past couple years, I guess, speak for themselves. They got some big guns in Matthews, you know, Church and Shatler, just to name a few. What is uh, what are you expecting from them, and kind of what's the game plan going into that one this weekend? Well, I think the biggest thing for us is going to have to be, you know, we're going to be ready right from the opening whistle. Um, they're a team that can hurt you in so many different ways if you're if you're not ready and. Uh, like you mentioned, it's really tough to key in on one or two people. I think they've probably got, you know, with them in Georgia, they've got the two probably best offenses in the league, um, night in and night out. So, um, you know, the, the biggest thing, like I said, is just being ready. Uh, they do run a lot of set plays and, and uh, things like that, so we'll review a lot of that this week. Um, but, you know, it's just going to come down to, I think a lot of it's just going to, we just have to be a little bit more hungry and a little bit more sense of urgency than what we had last weekend. So we already talked about Phil Caputo a little bit, but I did want to touch on uh, Brandon Slade, who was kind of uh, 
Another guy who was in uh, a bit of a new role for him, just in the fact that he was making his NLL debut, and it was in a, a tough rink to play in. But how do you think he handled everything on Friday? I thought Brandon was pretty good. He, you know, he always one thing about him, you never shortchange you in terms of effort, and he didn't the other night. I thought he worked very hard. Um, kind of an unfortunate play with the the five minute penalty. I, I don't think his intent was to to you know send the guy in like that. I mean, obviously the, the player went in hard, so I think you know, anytime someone goes in like that, they're going to make that call. But, you know, he, that was just him running super hard to try and get a loose ball, and, uh, you know, that happened. But, I th you know, I remember him once or twice. Callum uh, Crawford tries him one-on-one, -on -one, who's about as tough as check as there is in the league, and he did a good job of getting, you know, a stick on him and, and slowing him down. And uh, so, you know, all in all, I thought he, uh, he had a pretty good first game. Now, when we do uh, talk a little bit more about Saturday, like, uh, you know, Kyle was saying, the Saskatchewan Rush have been uh, one of the, the top teams in the league. Um, is that a challenge you, you want coming off of a loss like that? Or is this something where, you know, every team is so good, it doesn't really matter who you're playing in the home opener? But, uh, you know, I guess it may not on the surface make Saturday night uh, any easier, I guess. No, I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you, you don't get to pick the schedule. So, Saskatchewan's uh, next up, and that's the way we have to approach it. I mean, uh, certainly, you know, they, they are who they are. They're, like, like I've said before, they're one of the best teams in the league. And, um, you know, the one thing that we, we can't do is feel sorry for ourselves because I know nobody else is. So, we just have to be ready. And, uh, you know, I think there could be some positives out of it. I mean, obviously, you, you know that. Uh, you're not you're not getting a weak team. You're gonna have to be ready. So there should be no surprise. So uh, and then if you know obviously we come out and we have a good game, obviously there's gonna be a lot to build on. Yeah, I mean I think it served uh, as a great springboard. I think to last season the home opener against Saskatchewan, them coming off a championship in that case, and a, a young team getting a big win. So uh, looking forward to hopefully duplicating that uh, on Saturday night. Couldn't agree more. All right. Bruce Codd, thanks a lot for stopping by, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Good luck on Saturday. Thanks, guys. All right, Bruce Codd, defensive coach, assistant coach for the Toronto Rock. We'll be back with more Toronto Rock Total Access in a moment. I'm the cat with the bass and drum, going around like bum, bum, bum. What's grooving? I'm moving. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis here in the studio, and right now we welcome in Jordan Magnuson. Jordan, how are you doing? Good, guys. How are you? Fantastic. So uh, obviously Friday night, not the result that uh, everybody wanted to start the season. But uh, first of all, just maybe your your take on uh, how the game unfolded on Friday night and just uh, where things maybe didn't go quite as planned. Yeah, like you said, the obviously not the result we were looking for. But um, I'm, I'm, when I look back at the game, what I see is we lost a lot of one-on-one -on -one battles. And when you start to lose the little stuff like that, it starts to add up after a while. So um, I think that was that was our biggest issue for for the game was just we were we were getting out battles in the corners and and on loose balls and everything like that, and it just kind of kind of translated into the game as well. How much more pressure or weight do you guys bear on your shoulders as defenders when you're looking at the other end of the floor and the offense isn't scoring and you're just is the pressure starting to mount every time out on the floor where? You know, it's like we got to get a stop. We got to get a stop. We're not, you know, we're not scoring at the other end because, like we've kind of talked about a few times on the show already. You know, you take away those two empty netters, eleven goals against. Most nights, you're probably not too upset about that uh, total. But maybe talk about it. Is there more pressure as the game goes on when you see the ball's not dropping at the other end? 
Um, I think for, for us on the back end back there, it's more we, we embrace it more than anything. Um, we, we know from last year and, and moving into this year that, that our back end is going to be ha- it's going to have to be the backbone of this this team. We're going to have to come up in big times and in big moments. And I don't think anyone shies away from that back there. So, um, like I said, I think we, we embrace it more than anything, um, looking, looking to go out and get a big stop for the guys so we can send out our O again and, and they can give it another shot and try and tweak a couple things. So um, I know for myself personally, I definitely embrace it back there. I want to I wanna get back there, get that stop just so we can, we can make our team better and, and hope, uh, hopefully we can go and get that win. Now, for yourself personally, uh, how did you feel on the face-off dot on Friday night? Uh, the numbers weren't glowing on the stat sheet, but you know the the face-off game I think has become more of a team game, a ball team game. Uh, maybe just talk about how those battles went. I know you said you you lost some of those. Uh, you know that you probably uh, hoped that you'd win, but just talk a little bit about how you felt in the face-off circle. Um. Yeah, some nights the bounces don't go your way, and there were there were a couple ones where we caught some weird bounces off the turf. It, it rolled off a bubble and went went into their sticks, stuff like that. So when it comes down to that stuff, I'm not too worried about it. I I'm, I'm doing my part and or I'm doing my job to, to to try and get that ball backwards. And 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 we got a great loose ball team. Whoever's out there from our, from our back end, front end, like we we got guys that can pick up the ball when it's on the ground. So um, I'm I'm not worried moving forward if the stats aren't there in the first game because we we got a lot of good guys that can pick up the ball and we'll we'll be okay. Jordan, last year you know you come into camp as a draft pick there and really didn't know what to what to expect. I guess I think it's fair to say you know you weren't you didn't think you were a lock to make the team. You had to make the team and you and you earned it. Coming in the second year, you you, you must feel obviously a little more comfortable, but. What was an area of, or a couple areas or something that you found you, you had to work on over the offseason after having a year uh, in the league to come in and, and you know, better yourself this year? Um, for me, things that I went into the offseason with, uh, with the, the, the focus of wanting to get better at was, was face-offs for one. Um, and for myself personally, um, in pressure situations, making better decisions. I, 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 I get a little hectic sometimes when I get either one guy, two guys of pressure. So, so some something I really focused on in, in the off season and during the summer was when I do have that pressure on me, finding that extra space, taking the extra second, and making sure that that I get the pass that I wanted or, or or something like that. So, so those were two two big focuses for me this this off season and what I, two things I really wanted to to focus on getting better at. And last year, you know, from a team perspective, yourself, Chow, there's a couple, couple young guys that all came into the team together and, and with some key, you know, exits this year from Gilbert, Marshall, just to name a few in the back end, there seems to be another influx of, of young defenders uh, on the squad this year, Belgrave, Slade, to name a few, and the list goes on. How, uh, I guess, how have you kind of positioned yourself to look at them and see that that was you last year and have you like be able to offer some advice I guess and and you know kind of help them through the start of the their first uh, NLL season yeah for sure it's uh, it's a huge learning experience in your first year and and the learning doesn't stop with, with me in my second year I'm always I'm always years open with guys like Brody and and Chappie around with 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 information and, and tips and stuff like that so you're you're constantly learning um, but it's definitely nice to be in a kind of leadership position in in that sense because I know exactly what those guys are going through especially the western guys that have come out here dedicated their time to to give to give this a shot and I think it's awesome living living with Drew and, and Adam it's 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 been cool to to kind of see 
that end of the spectrum for them as they're going through it, going through it after just gone through it. So it's it's nice to, to be able to give some pointers and, and stuff there as well. So coming up this weekend, uh, big matchup with the Rush, as we've kind of talked about a little bit. Um, you know, I think we're all kind of in agreement that last year's home opener against the Rush, the big win, served as a real springboard for the season and, and gave this group a ton of confidence. And not that I think this group is lacking any confidence at this point, but I think everybody is really ready to put Friday night behind them and, and move on. But, you know, do you look at this game uh, Saturday night as possibly presenting almost the exact same situation uh, one year later? Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, if, if we could pull out a win against the Saskatchewan this weekend, it would be a, a huge step for us moving forward. It'd give us a, a lot of confidence and, and a great start to, to our season and something to build off of. So, yeah, absolutely, this is this is a game that we're thinking we got to go in there and win because you, you start off strong and it, it, it really leads let, lets you lead to a to a strong season. So, I think we're all we're all looking to come out uh, come out hard this weekend and and uh, and get a win. Now, we've had a couple of your roommates on the show already this year, Brad Cree and Jalen Rogers, so we're going to do something fun with you that I just thought of. Oh, um, we're going to do roommate rankings oh. in a couple of different categories. All right, so just top three, because we know there's okay. a few of you guys uh, you know, living in the same spot this year. Um, so top three roommate rankings, top three dancers in the house. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm including oh, yeah, myself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. This is I don't like this pressure. This is uh, but okay. Top three, I'd go myself, Challen, Brad. You're putting yourself on the top of the mountain. All right. I, okay. I listened last week. I talked to Shal <laughs> about it. I heard I heard the fourth line grind comment, yeah. and I think he hit the nail on the head. He didn't wow. give himself. I don't think he gave himself enough credit. Yeah. Enough credit in that uh, okay. spot, but. Uh, he, yeah, I, I, that that's where I'm gonna put it, and that's where I'm. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay. What about just top three pulling their weight around the house, kind of, you know, okay. doing what they should be doing to be a good roommate? Um, I'm gonna put again Brad and Chell, but I'll, they're gonna be tied at the top because they okay. they both they both one do their a, part and situation. Do, <laughs> do their part and more. Um, I'm gonna exclude myself off of this one just because right. I'm. Uh, cleanup wise, um, I'll I'll throw a Nick in at three. Wow. Okay. So Rosie, kind of the veteran guy, a little bit older, but comes in at number three on uh, doing his uh, work around the house. You got a top three we can throw at him. What's another good one we could throw at him? Uh, just just top three. You know, here's you come home after a tough loss. Uh, Tough loss Friday night in Buffalo. You wake up Saturday. Their spirits are a little down. Who's the, I guess, the top three ranked? Um, I mean, it may tie in with dancing as well, but just <laughs> kind of, you know, loosen up the boys, kind of the comedian angle, kind of, you know, with the houses a little down, picks the house up, and all of a sudden the, the boys are into something. Um, on on a, In a situation like that, I'm going to have to give Drew some credit. Um, he's a big bounce back guy, brings a lot of intensity to the table. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to throw him at number one just because uh, if I'm ever in a slump in NHL, uh, NHL 17 <laughs> or 18, he's uh, he's my bounce back game. He, 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 usually, he, he <laughs> usually lets me get back into the win columns. So uh, so what he usually lift, lifts lifts All my right. spirits in that situation. So I put I'll throw Drew through throw Drew at number one. Uh, I'll put Nick at number two because he, uh, he he usually has a lot of good ideas for, yeah. for off days, so he uh, he gets the boys going that way, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll throw uh, we'll throw Adam in at number three. Wow, 
the silent assassin here, not mentioned at all yet. He's a big keyboard warrior, so yeah. he, uh, he pipes in our group chat pretty often with, uh, with some good stuff. All so. Right. So he last top, smile. last top three I want to throw at you because I know you mentioned some of the gaming and I know you. It looks like <laughs> from some of the uh, stuff I've seen from you guys, you guys seem to be pretty intense at this. But top three gamers, <laughs> and I don't want to not in terms of uh, performance, we'll say, okay. but top three in terms of the time they invest <laughs> in gaming. <laughs> uh, Drew Adam than me. Really, yeah. Drew's number one. Yeah. <laughs> solid number one. Like no, like no, quest, no, no questions. Challenging asked. him, he's no. no. Wow. He he's got that spot locked down, and he's staying there. He's the Hulk Hogan of the <laughs> mid to late eighties. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay, Mags, this has been great. Uh, good luck Saturday night. Uh, big one, obviously, for everybody here, and uh, we will do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, you guys. All right, Jordan Magnuson, defender with the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break on Toronto Rock Total Access. We'll be back in a moment to wrap it up. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis. We're wrapping things up here on episode number three of this young season. We got people flying in and out of the office because it's practice night, so we got lots to get to. Uh, KD, we're going to have the big return of the most popular segment on the show last year. Short-term, long-term trade is back and it's something that we really kind of got away from as the season went on last year for some reason we got into the buying and selling thing and then we were just talking before the show here today and we thought it's time for a little revival action here so short-term long-term trade here we go so to start off we're gonna go with three guys who are kind of emerging one of the three has yet to i think fully probably get on that same level as the other two guys but short-term long-term trade Mitch Jones of Buffalo, Eli McLaughlin of Colorado, and Dan Lintner of the three-goal season debut for the Toronto Rock. Pumped for the segment to be back, first oh, right. of all. Yes, sorry, so, yes. so, here we, here, <laughs> so here we go. First of all, couldn't hold that in. All right. Uh, let's see here. So we're going to start with the long term I guess um, long term I'm going to go with uh, and this is taking in a couple different things going to go with with Mitch Jones uh, you know he had a kind of emerging year last year with Buffalo 69 points or 70 points I think in that range and then you saw what he did throughout the summer he seemed to be kind of the catalyst in for that team in the Man Cup out west there, and I, th I think he took home actually, uh, you know, the the MVP or, or or was involved in some of the you know the awards out there in the in the WLI playoffs as well. Uh, so going to keep Mitch long term. I also think with the uh, you know the exit or departure of Banesh in Buffalo, he's in a good spot where you know he's going to get some opportunities, some looks, and can with some other people kind of in that same category, I guess, as well as we talked about on the left side, but I don't think there's anyone there that it's really their left side yet. And I think, you know, he, he can kind of take that and can be a long-term piece for them there. Short term, I'm going to go with uh, Toronto Rock's own Dan Littner. Obviously, Dan had a great first game. I think he's a great player. Uh, you know, played against him. He's burned, uh, burned my teams a couple times before as well. Uh, I just think he's 
you know, a little bit of a consistency uh, w- would go a long way in Dan finally, you know, emerging. And, you know, he was in and out of the lineup a little bit last year. Uh, obviously, he's got competing with a tough, you know, right side currently for for, sp- for space on the floor and, you know, touches. But uh, I really liked what I saw out of him in game one. I think he brings a different element, kind of the, a little bit of a bulldog mentality, and uh, but still can finish the ball. And uh, I want to see see that more out of him. So I want to keep him around short term. And and that leaves me trading uh, Eli McLaughlin out of Colorado there. Uh, for the reason being, I know, you know, he, he had a great season last year in the 70 point range as well. I just, you know, when Colorado is fully healthy and, uh, you know, the offense on that left side, I think he's got to compete with Banesh and uh, Zach Greer, which could make it uh, a little tougher for him to, you know, get the touches and, and kind of produce at, uh, at that pace again. But, uh, you know, just a, another product of the game here that uh, someone had to get dealt. So, <laughs> sorry, Mr. McLaughlin. <laughs> All right. So, our next group, and KD came up with these ones, and this is a great one, actually. Three guys who are all hoping to bounce back because, I guess, really with the exception of Cody Jamison playing five minutes-ish yeah. last year, I think. Um, three guys who are coming back after essentially a year away. So, You've got Jesse King from Georgia, Cody Jamison, already mentioned, from Rochester, and the Rocks' Rob Hellier, short-term, long-term trade, go. Again, starting with the uh, the long-term, I'm keeping uh, Robbie Hellier. Uh, you know, I mean, what he's done in this league speaks for itself. Uh, I think the Rock, you know, even though they did have a have a good successful season last year, I think it, you did miss him out there and just seeing all the games, I I noticed that and you, you just can't describe what this guy brings to to the table on a day in day out basis and you know hundred point guy in the league and his age is right in his wheelhouse. He's in his prime here, so uh, I'm gonna keep him around uh, long term. Short term, just uh, I'm gonna go with Cody Jamison. Uh, you know the guys. Wins seems to win at every level he's played at, junior, NLL, uh, man cups. Uh, if we're talking short term, I need to win a game. I know I can, you know, trust him to go out and have a big game. Uh, what was it, a couple years ago he was playing on on one leg in, in, a, in a way and kind of catalyst in Six Nations Chiefs coming back from on Peterborough. Uh, yep. Short term, I just, you know, like I said, don't have to say much about Cody Jamison, but uh, I, I like him getting the job done for me in a one-gamer or a short period of time. And Jesse King, I'm going to trade, and it's nothing to do with Jesse King's obviously great player as well, and I think he's going to have a have a great career in this league. But it's the one thing that made me think was uh, Georgia Swarm just won the NLL championship without Jesse King in that lineup. Not that he wouldn't make them better, but it just showed, you know, the team didn't need him in a way that uh, that's why I make it. I think it makes him become you know in this game a little more expendable. And I think. You can probably, I mean, you get a good haul for all these guys, but he would be one, you know, lefties always seem to carry a little bit more value, I feel like, on the trade market in this league, and and he might be the guy with his age, and, you know, hopefully, knock on wood and everything else, no more injuries, but he might bring the most uh, trade value really right now. Compare that to, like, Jamison, who's had a couple knees done, a little older, little, yeah, I think, I agree, the return might not be you know, there that you could get for Jesse King younger and is coming into his prime here. and Yeah. All right, so there you go. Short-term, long-term trade. Volume 1 here on the podcast uh, is in the books. Very good. I thought that was a great start. That was a strong start. That's good. Strong start to the we second. We can't let her die like last year. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so uh, we'll look ahead now to Saturday night. Uh, the Toronto Rock 
taking on the Saskatchewan Rush at Air Canada Centre. 7 o'clock start. Of course, $1 from every single game ticket sold will go to the Downey Wenjack Fund. So we're looking for uh, a big turnout for a great cause on Saturday night at Air Canada Centre. Um, big bounce, get, bounce back game needed for the Rock like we've talked about. We'll dive into Saskatchewan a, l- a little bit here. And, uh, you know, a team that had stayed fairly status quo, obviously, through their two championships and then trying to make it three in a row last year, they did make some major offseason moves. So, you know, we, the Toronto Rock, are involved in one of them in acquiring Adam Jones for a pair of first-round picks. So the Rush and Derek Keenan have yet again set themselves up pretty well for the future, getting a couple of more high draft picks in the cupboard. Um, but Aaron Bold gone. The guy that they leaned on to win, uh, you know, two championships and get them to another final. Uh, they move him out in what turned out to be a very big trade with Evan Kirk coming back the other way and the rush really paying the bigger price when I think in some instances you would think that could have really just been a flip, you know, um, goalie for goalie, a straight up lacrosse trade like that, you know, two teams that are looking for a bit of a different change of scenery, but you know, maybe it was more Saskatchewan looking to make a change and making a deal that was too good to pass up maybe for New England that may not have been quite as actively looking to make a change. Yeah, like, correct me if I'm wrong here at any point, but perceived notion through what I see around the league, whether it's warranted or not, and through talking to some people, you know, involved, that... Of, of Aaron Bold's won, you know, two champions. You mentioned that, but that Kirk is, would you say, just a, a little bit better than Bold? Would is that fair to say from around the league perspective? See, I don't know. That's I, actually that's a really good question as to where a lot of teams would would rank these guys because, uh, you know, Kirk he was probably looked at, I guess, you know, postseason awards and whatnot talk as you know top goalie in the league a couple of years ago, but. For me personally, and it's kind of weird, I still have the memories of Aaron Bold back in the, what was it, I guess the 2006 Minto Cup, and I know this is a long time ago, but how he and Sean Evans basically won the Peterborough Lakers, the Minto Cup, and I still go back to thinking, you know what, he was unbelievable through that, um, you know, through that summer and through the Mento Cup and, and what he did there. And I remember watching and I was like, oh boy, here's kind of the, the next big thing. And then he was kind of Matt Vince's backup for a little while and then eventually found himself into a starter's role um, with the rush. So, and then he went and won. So I've always felt, to me anyways, like I would probably value Aaron Bold higher that Evan Kirk, but again, I don't know if that would be a league-wide uh, either player, coach, journalist uh, opinion necessarily. But I still think you know Aaron Bold has been. Um, I don't want to use the word propped up because I don't think it's it's the right word. But he's also played behind the best what? defense in the league, I think, for the last few years. But you know, I, I just sit there and I look at you know the guy still won championships. I think no matter how good your defense is, like. You know, is it going to make your job a little bit easier? Sure, but at the same time, you still got to stop the balls. You still got to, you still got to be the guy, right? You still got to, still got to make the saves, and you still have to win the game. So, you know, overall, I, I still today, if you ask me, who would I rather have? I probably would lean towards Aaron Bold. See, I, I think it's going to be interesting to track because you mentioned it maybe could have been a, from an outside eye it could have been a straight flip and you know Saskatchewan has to throw in LaFontaine and really 
you know, they were in the finals for their third year in a row. Maybe they just a couple they just didn't get a couple bounces. Like if they're if a couple bounces the other way and they win their third in a row, are they even looking to make that trade? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, right? Very like, good question. Right? Like so that's very what I'm curious question. to see. You know, and George's offense was high powered and the games were still close and it's it's just that's the game of lacrosse and I wonder if it was – I would like to know the reasoning behind, you know, what the brass was thinking after that, if they thought it was a goaltending issue, if they they just wanted to make a change, or if they actually legit contemplated on, you know, we were back to where we wanted to be. It just didn't work out this year. We can come back with this same team. And I, I think, personally here, saying if the, team, team came, if the same team came back, sorry, I wouldn't be thinking any less of them. No, not one bit. So that's what I'll be curious to track. And you mentioned, you know, the flip of the – the, the direct switch, I'll be curious to see what you know what Bold does in New England, which I think is a perceived weaker defense than Saskatchewan, but that perceived weaker defense just held the you know the defending champs to what eleven goals? Yeah, and this is what I was gonna say when you were when you were uh, going on really, but you know, when we're trying to pick between Kirk and Bold, you're starting to think, you know, there's only nine starters in the league, like this league is so good. Everybody is so good. And, and it's tough to sit, sit there and just go, well, yeah, I want this guy. But on any given day in this league, you know, Alex Bouquet can be the best goalie in the league yep. one weekend. And Matt Vince can be the best goalie in the league the next weekend. Then it's Aaron Bold. Then it's Nick Rose. You know, um, everybody is just so damn good in this league that, you are you know, when you pick a guy, you're not – you're just almost – going on gut or you know something you've seen them do in the past but Familiar. a lot of times there's no real reason to separate things and we you know we debate that aisle into our top 50 list quite a bit but you know at the end of the day like we've said like there's probably 20 guys you look around the room and go yeah they could all be in the top 10 but you can only have 10 guys in the top For 10 sure. right like it's it's everybody's so good in this league and it's uh you know, it's a nice uh, problem to have, I guess. And, you know, with expansion coming, you know, I, I don't think it's going to necessarily water down the top end of the product at all. I think we're going to see – we're going to probably have to see how it's going to impact the bottom end, I think, of most teams. But, you know, if that could just lead to more goals and everything. But we're, we're sliding off topic a little bit here. But um, when we get back to Evan Kirk in the net for the Saskatchewan Rush, also a little bit of a homecoming. You know, he's an Orangeville boy. He'll have a lot of locals, uh, you know, in the stands cheering for him, as will many of the guys on the rush who are pretty well, you know, predominantly Ontario guys. Um, I don't know. I mean, like you said, Kirk could just have one of those games, and it, it kind of doesn't matter what you do on the other side. He could come out and only give up nine or ten, and then, you know, now you're now your pressure's back on the defense, kind of like we talked about with Mags. Well, it will it will be interesting, you know, like. Th- Saskatchewan, the only team in the league not to play last weekend. So yep. their first game, um, you know, we just witnessed our own team here kind of come out a little s- slower than I guess they would anticipate. And if you recall a year ago, I, if I'm correct, Saskatchewan went into Georgia for the first game and got destroyed. Yeah. Big time got destroyed. So, I ju- you know, just trying to think of a couple things that could happen. But at the same time, uh, you know, they came into Toronto and I think they – they lost the game. It was a big win for us, but I think they had a terrible first half and kind of were coming as the second half came. Um, if there was, say, another half after you know the game, which is obviously impossible, but who knows what that would have looked like. It's just going to be curious to see what happens. But one area I'm going to be looking at is uh, 
the left side, and uh, you know, obviously you mentioned we get Jones. Jones departs from that left side with Matthews, and Shatler sides in. I'd just be curious to see how that has kind of come to fruition, how that's worked for them so far. I think Shatler brings a different element to to the offense that maybe is different than Jones. Doesn't need the ball as much uh, per se, and uh, just be curious to see how that works because it looked like that was Saskatchewan's plan. You know, they traded Jones, and it wasn't too long after Shatler signed, and, yep. and it just kind of all came together. It looked like they had that one drawn drawn up. So be curious to see what that looks like, but. Uh, Looking forward to the game. I think there's going to be some, you know, two high-powered teams here and, you know, potential to, you know, have some big years on some of the offensive players there. So going to be looking forward to watching that. I think it's a good test for Toronto to uh, to rebound from a from a disappointing loss on uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, I have to totally agree with you on the Jeff Shatler thing. I mean, you look, I guess, probably six or seven years ago around then, I think a lot of people were, you know, thinking Jeff Shatler was kind of the new prototype for the lacrosse player that you wanted on your team, and you were hoping that you would have five or six guys somehow that were like him that could transition, that could go out, play defense, run the floor, play, like, you know, go out in regular offensive shifts and just kind of be a, a jack of all trades, but also be really good at all those things. And, uh, you know, I feel like for whatever reason I don't know if his role changed in Calgary I mean guys get older obviously and and skills start to deteriorate a little bit in, in some cases but then we see other guys play forever in this league so um but I will be very interested to see because I think overall like we've talked about on the show again is that I don't think a ton of people thought Adam Jones was the perfect fit in Saskatchewan last year and he's probably a better fit in this rock offense than what he was in the Saskatchewan offense but now you sit there and you wonder basically the exact same thing with Shatler walking in is like, okay, well, is it going to work with him now? And, you know, only time will tell, but we're going to get to see that, uh, you know, firsthand for the first time this year uh, on Saturday night at Air Canada Center. So uh, a great matchup. It'll be fun. I mean, it's two of the best teams in the league going head to head on a Saturday night in Toronto at Air Canada Center. So you can't ask for much more. Um, it's prediction time, KD. I haven't really given this too much thought yet, so I don't know if you have, but uh, you can fire away first. Yeah, it crossed my mind this afternoon. Um, didn't want to be kind of as similar to you as last week, so we'll see how this goes. But uh, I have a 14-12 Toronto win. Okay, if people could see this. Now I've already written this down, right? I'm not I writing right now. I haven't seen I just wrote down. After saying I haven't thought about it much, I wrote it down right before you started talking. And I'm going to go into the psychic business one day. All right. The, go uh, ahead. For, yeah, 14-12 Toronto win. I think the offense is going to be better, put up a little you know, better effort than they did. In Buffalo, I think the D's going to still be there, tighten them up. But, you know, I, I, you gotta, they're going to get some. It's lacrosse. They have a good team. Um, and I might even throw – you know, entertaining game to come on down. Toronto, you know, they pull the goalie. There's maybe an empty netter situation on the, for the 14th. It's a one-goal game late. So we'll see if that happens. But 14-12 uh, Toronto. I'm going to go uh, – <clears throat> I was going to go 14-12. I just don't want to say the exact same thing. So I'm going to go 15-13. Uh, still a two-goal spread. And kind of like you say, I think it's going to be a barn burner on Saturday night. And uh, a tight and very exciting game. Hopefully with a lot of swings and lead changes and uh, something that keeps the fans on the edge of their seats. Uh, frustrated at times, but uh, excited at times, too. I, I think 
this is going to be an absolutely fantastic game on Saturday night. And uh, we've kind of joked a little bit off air, I guess not maybe necessarily joked, but um, talked about how, you know, a 15-13 game or a two-goal game like we're talking about and how good this league is is that, you know, if it, if the game is truly a two-goal game and tight the whole night and lead changes and all that stuff and you come out on the wrong end of it, you're 0-2, but at the same time, you're probably not feeling that bad about yourself, you know, if you lose to Saskatchewan, who is, you know, still regarded as probably the best team in the West and, you know, in the top two or three in the league. Um the league's so good you know i've said it a few times here uh, on the show but it, it just it's it's true i mean you could play a real strong game and you know you won't feel great if you lose but when you really look at your body of work you'll just kind of be like you know well we were actually pretty good like we didn't you know it just wasn't our night yeah no doubt for sure and i think we'll be coming in here a lot of a lot of tuesdays or practice nights and Wow, what a game that was! Or and just across the league, not even yeah. you know in our in our own backyard here, and uh, you know, can't believe so and so beat so and so, or you know, they it's gonna it's gonna be good. I think where you know the talent in this league is is crazy right now, and there's a lot of skill, and there's a lot of a lot of great teams, and anyone can win on any night. We mentioned any goaltender can be in in there and on any night and kind of do the do his thing, and you know, this past week we kind of talked. There wasn't too many large offensive performances from some of the bigger guns around the league. We could be coming in here next week, and everyone went off for you know eight, ten points. And, yeah, and that's just how just how the league is. How quickly things could change. So it's going to be uh, going to be exciting. Well, hopefully we have a few of those guys on the uh, rock side of the ledger. Uh, any last second ticket plugs for Saturday night? For sure, and uh, we got a lot going on. Actually, we got the holiday pack. It's that that time of season. Great gift. Six tickets used in any combination to two or more games. You get two great uh, Toronto Rock long sleeve t-shirts. We just launched a pack today for a December 30th game party like it's 99. It's going to be a throwback to, you know, the 20-year anniversary here at the Toronto Rock. It's a ticket, a sick hat that when I, when the, I guess the sample came in, I put my name all over that and brought that. Like, <laughs> so wanted that, like that's how much I think the hat is, is awesome. Uh, good dad hat and uh and a, and a beer for at the game so uh right. no that's great as well obviously we've still got season tickets available we've got uh flex six ticket flex pack available our four play pack which i think is phenomenal four games you move around the arena it's at a at a heavily discounted price check out the game from many vantage points but uh home opener saturday i think we're talking i think it's gonna be a barn burner i think it's the kind of game you go to uh, torontorock.com or call us at 416-596-3075. We'll sell you the whole seat, but I think you only need the edge. Oh, that's an old uh, Ontario Raiders slash Buffalo Bandits commercial back in the back in the day. I remember those. Anyways, great stuff, KD. Great show today, and uh, thanks to everybody out there for uh, checking out the podcast and our loyal listeners. And we also have to say thank you to everybody who came out to Jack Astor's on Monday night for the kickoff party. Terrible weather, and it kind of, uh, <clears throat> I think, had a little impact on the attendance. But uh, those who were able to come out on Monday night, thank you so much for braving the weather and uh, getting out there to meet some of the boys. And uh, we gave away tons of prizes and home opener tickets. And we're hoping to do that again uh, at some point in the season. But uh, thanks so much again to everybody in the Rock Roadies who always give us their support and uh, are so loyal to the team in pretty much every and any way, I guess. So thanks again to you guys, and thanks to all the folks down at Jack. So in the meantime, and in between time, that's it. Another
another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access. For Kyle Davis, I'm Mike Hancock saying we'll chat next week. Mm-hmm.